0: Many people in our culture have been conditioned to believe that all they need to do is believe. Believe in good values, believe in God, uh, believe in themselves, and so on. But you know, belief is not a very strong word. We need something stronger than belief if we are really to uh, use our ideals to grow on, to grow with. An ideal is something that you have to live up to, otherwise it's no longer an ideal, it's a present reality. And just to believe in goodness, for example, there are a lot of people who are uh, who believe in goodness without actually being good. That's why they say that the road of hell is paved with good intentions. And that reminds me of another saying, St. Otto of Cluny. I don't know who he was, but I always remember this quote by him. He said that the floors of hell are paved with the bald pates of clergymen. In other words, people who are dedicated to a religious life, but yet passively so, sort of insipidly so. Um, we've seen too many people in the name of God m- giving you the impression that all you have to do is be weak enough to be good. I'll remember one person who was being uh, praised by uh someone else because he was so self-controlled. And somebody said, why, he ain't self-controlled, he's just not got enough energy to sin. And uh, this teacher stopped a moment and he said, that's true. The thing is that we need energy not to sin, but to get become better. And so, what I wanted to talk about today was the importance of not only having an ideal, that doesn't make you good, but affirming it and to impress on your minds that affirming a thing is not just something you do mentally, but you affirm a thing also by doing it. The the, uh, uh, quality of generosity, for example, comes from being generous, not from just uh, sitting around talking about it. If people practiced more and talked less, I think that there would not have been all the wars that we encounter, all the persecution, the bigotry, the intersectarian jealousy and rivalry and exclusiveness and persecution, all of these things in the name of God, what we need to do is practice a little bit rather than talk a great deal. Now, affirmation is one of the ways of bringing your consciousness into attainment with an ideal. Very often it's a matter of convincing your mind that you have it in you to be uh, either uh, uh, good in the sense of morally good or successful, capable in the sense of the work that you're trying to do and uh, uh, your form of service of humanity, uh, whatever it might be. Very often, what keeps us from being what we want to be is the constant hypnosis that we place upon our minds that we aren't and that we can't. Mind you, anything that any human being has ever done, you can do too. It may take you a while, it may take you a few incarnations, but you've got it in you because this is what humanity is capable of producing. And if one man is capable of producing it, then so are you, and so am I. And why is somebody like a Mozart born capable almost from the cradle of composing music? Well, to me, that's a good argument for reincarnation, that he had had acted in such a way as gradually to develop that quality until he finally uh, was able to manifest it, to attune himself to it perfectly, Whether or not you believe in reincarnation, much of what I'm saying must be relevant to your own understanding and uh, belief system. Let me tell you an interesting story. One time, my spiritual teacher, Paralhansi Yogananda, he ran a school in the state of Bihar in India, and he had commissioned a well-known artist to do a painting of his spiritual teacher's spiritual teacher. The man's name was Lahiri Mahasaya. And this man was a competent artist, but he didn't have that attunement with this particular saint. He was more accustomed to painting uh, pictures of mundane scenes and people and so on. And so, what he did, when it was finally finished, didn't satisfy Yogananda as far as art went, it was a good work of art, but it didn't capture the spirit. And so, not wanting to express his his, uh, disappointment too uh, bluntly, he, he asked him, first of all, how long did it take you to master this, your art? The man got upset anyway, and he said, well, it took me 20 years. But then Yogananda thought, well, he ought to teach him a lesson. So he said, you mean it took you... 20 years, to convince yourself you could paint. The man really got upset at that point. He said, oh, I'd like to see you do as well in twice that length of time. So Ananda said, give me a week. And he just sat down at a drawing board. And first of all, he tried to tune himself into the consciousness that is required in order to create something visually on a a board, with a pencil and then with, with paint. The first time he tried, didn't work very well, the second time was a little better, and then he tried to tune tune in also to the consciousness of this saint, whose image he was trying to capture in, in painting. And so he would try, he tried one, he tried another, he tried several, and then finally it began to click. By the end of a week, he had a really very nice painting. And he hung it up and he had somebody call his painter and he was sort of off the scene waiting to see how the painter would react. The painter looked at it and he was astounded. He said, That's much better than what I did. Who did that? And then Yogananda came out and he said, You want to know who did it? This one. You see, you have to convince yourself that you can do it. Now, there are two ways of convincing yourself. One is the boastful way, I can do it. That affirms the ego. But the other side is to affirm the thing that you're doing, to affirm the painting, to affirm the job, to affirm the virtue that you're trying to develop, to affirm the quality, the habit you're trying to develop, and so on. And you will find that if you can convince your mind, remember, this is something of which the human race is capable, otherwise no one would ever have done it. And if the human race is capable, then you can tune yourself into Whatever it was that someone who did it, did, and then suddenly you'll find it clicks and it can work. Don't worry if it doesn't work well the first time. I remember back when I was, oh, 20, 21, I used to smoke quite heavily, about a pack a day. That was back in the days when nobody said it was a wrong thing to do. Everybody knew it was, but nobody uh, brought it to the level of the Surgeon General warning you. And yet, I sort of felt that there was something about it I didn't like. It left a nasty taste in my mouth. And I didn't like the idea of being bound by a habit uh, to which I was really uh, obliged to give in again and again. So I decided I'd give it up. Well, I've always remembered the words of Mark Twain when he said, smoking is the easiest thing in the world to give up. I've done it a thousand times. And that's about the way it was with me. I quit for a few days and then it would look so attractive when I uh, was after a meal and with my coffee at the end of the meal, I was accustomed to having a cigarette. And it was such a nice combination that I just would take another cigarette and I was smoking again regularly or at different times. And uh, so I would fail again and again and again. Now, here's the lesson that I learned that there are two ways of failure. One is to affirm, I fail. Every time you go back to smoking, your affirmation of failure is an affirmation of weakness. And what it does is hypnotize the mind that uh, you're, you're really a slave to this habit, and so you become more and more a slave to it. But fortunately, I took the opposite tack. And I said, well, I guess I blew it that time. I haven't yet succeeded. So you see, what I was affirming was eventual success, not failure, but keeping on, no matter how many times I failed, this was sort of like stepping stones to success. So that each time I failed, it was like, like an affirmation of at least potential success. Now this went on for a year. Then I remember the interesting thing that happened. One evening, I suddenly knew I had reached the point where I didn't, I wouldn't ever smoke again. And I was living with four other roommates, and I told one of them uh, that evening, Well, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And he laughed sort of cynically and said, Oh, yeah, we've heard that one before. But I wouldn't let him put me down. I was absolutely sure. From now on, I wouldn't. And the next morning, I woke up. I had no desire. I kept the rest of the cigarette package that I had, about a half-empty packet, in my shirt pocket, for two weeks I gave it out to different friends who needed cigarettes. I never had another desire. Now, this is what, we, what I mean by the power of affirmation and the importance of affirmation. That when you have an ideal of whatever kind it might be, that you must affirm that you can do it. You must convince your mind that you can do it, and don't get caught up in that trap of ego, don't get get caught up in that trap of, of boasting that you can do it, I, 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 I. That's really a block to success. You'll find that many boastful people convince everyone that they can do it, they seem so sure of themselves, but when it actually comes down to the job, you find they do a bad job. Because the ego has to be got out of the way, there's got to be a flow of energy toward what it is that you're trying to accomplish, so that if you're wanting to um, become, let us say that you're wanting to overcome excessive intellectuality, or you're wanting to overcome excessive time-wasting or restlessness, or you're wanting to overcome a tendency to think too much of yourself, whatever it might be, don't kick yourself if you do badly, but just keep affirming that it can be done Saints have have, uh, uh, been able to do it. Why shouldn't I be able to do it? You should never say, I'm no saint. You should always say, well, I'm not yet a saint. I'm not yet successful. I'm not yet a good uh, singer or linguist or whatever it might be. But always keep in mind that you can accomplish in the end. Now, there's another aspect to it. When I went, when I had that, 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 Uh, well, uh, the packet of cigarettes I was talking about, what I meant said, saying was when I told my roommate um, in Charleston, South Carolina it was, that I wasn't going to smoke anymore, I carried that thought into the subconscious. Now, here's the... I didn't know how important that is, but I've discovered it since, and this is something that uh, my spiritual teacher Paramahansa Yogananda stressed, that the subconscious is not a separate mind from your own, it's what is sort of the repository of all the impressions you've filtered and allowed to go into it. And this subconscious feeds back to you what you've put into it. So that if for many, many years, by repeated uh, wrong affirmation, You've behaved in a way that you didn't want to, or you've lived a kind of life that you didn't uh, admire, even in yourself, or you failed in the work that you were doing, or whatever it might be, each time you allow that thought to enter into the subconscious, that I'm no artist, or I'm no businessman, or I'm no public speaker, or I'm no this or that, we're all filled with complexes and hang-ups, as they say, of various kinds, things that we've convinced our minds we aren't capable of doing or accomplishing. Now, in the subconscious, uh, it's hard to reach because it's, it's below our actual conscious level. But there is a way to reach the subconscious. There are ways, I should say. And one of the most important is to carry a thought into the subconscious when you fall asleep. That's what I did that evening. I was absolutely sure that I wouldn't smoke again. I also carried that thought into the subconscious so that the subconscious picked up on it and then gave me back the kind of feedback that I wanted from it. You can change your subconscious, you can change your habit pattern, one of the ways of doing so is to carry the new thought into the subconscious now, if you make that thought a verbal affirmation don't don't make an affirmation a negative thing like i'm not sick or i'm not unhappy or i'm not ungen- i'm not uh ungenerous and so on uh, the the uh, um The negative thought, not, isn't going to be as strong as the the actual image of I'm ungenerous, I'm unkind, I'm unspiritual, I'm this, I'm that. And so, a a verbal formula needs to be stated in a positive way. I have a book that I wrote called Affirmations and Prayers, which is... uh, There's one for every week of the year, and my idea uh, that I'm expressing, I can read to you, for example, an affirmation. This is one on truthfulness. The affirmation is, whatever is, simply is. I cannot change it for the mere wishing. Fearlessly, therefore, I accept the truth, knowing that at the heart of everything, God's truth is always good. Now, that's an unusually long affirmation. I can take a very short one here. Though the winds of difficulties howl around me, I stand forever calmly at the center of life's storms. This is on the subject of calmness. Yogananda wrote a book, Scientific Healing Affirmations, which is a great book filled with affirmations. But the essence of these formulae, these word formulae, is to make them essential to make them rhythmic so that they enter more easily into the subconscious, to make them something that you can almost sing as you're repeating them, because by the repetition that thought gets stronger and stronger and stronger and remember it's a strong concentrated thought sent into the subconscious with absolute willpower, absolute certainty that you can do it. If you can do that, you can change a habit in a day. Note the rhythm of this sentence again. Though the winds of difficulties howl around me, I stand forever calmly at the center of life's storms. Though the winds of difficulties howl around me, I stand forever calmly at the center of life's storms. So you see, by repeating this again and again, first out loud to get your energy raised, then mentally, then quietly, then then first whisper, then quietly, then mentally, and then let it go into the subconscious so that your whole being resonates with this, but with this rhythm. It has to be a rhythm, not just words, if you want to make it most effective. Now, there are other ways you can enter the subconscious. One is when you wake up in the morning, your subconscious is open. At that moment, if you'll affirm uh, a strong thought for the day, you'll find that your whole day will be influenced by that thought, the way you go to sleep at night, the way you wake up in the morning, the most important thing to do of all is to sit still, calm your mind, go into meditation, and once your mind is very still and very calm, then concentrate at the point between the eyebrows and rotate it. It's sort of like the very beginning of creation, uh, a proton going around the nucleus, Just rotating the hydrogen atom, is just that simple form, rotating that thought around this nucleus of your your, uh, electron going around a proton, I guess that's the expression, going around this simple thought of your will, that I will this to be in that thought. I am calm. I am peaceful. I am loving. I am kind. Perfume of success thought blows in me. Blows in me. That's from scientific healing affirmations. The more you do that in deep meditation, taking it consciously into your subconscious, the more you will find your whole system resonating with it, and then you will find that your ideals are no longer ideals, but a living, present reality for you.